Hey folks, SH1T coming to you live, talking to a old school friend, Bo Besant. We talk about, uh, he's a Border Patrol agent, so we talk about the immigration issue. I found out that he uh, is a poker player, and we ramble about that uh, for a while, and then he gives me some life advice at the very end. So, Bo, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I do appreciate it, and we were thick as thieves back in the day, and uh, well, enjoy the podcast. Brother, it's been forever. How are you doing, sir? Good, man. How about yourself? I am living the dream as always. What are you up to these days? Oh, man, rounding up uh, family units and uh, not signing up for overtime and enjoying my days off. Where are you at now these days? Eagle Pass, Texas. Oh, okay. Cool. I know. I've heard of that city before. I went to college with a buddy. Or a guy that is from Eagle Pass. So you work for Border Patrol? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, how'd you land yeah, about, that job? About... <clears throat> What's that? How'd you land that job? Uh, man, it's changed a lot in the 10 years I've been there. You, you've been there for uh, 10 years? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's... uh. Well, Eagle Pass is... Uh, is kind of a slower station to start out with and when I got there was you'd have your busy seasons you know like October you know the the cooler uh climates and then summer it kind of fall off and whatever yeah um just chasing footprints in the dirt and then I started getting wise and using thick carpet on their shoes and making it harder to track in the rockier areas. And and now they just send out a few dozen family units to tie you up, and then they run the good traffic. And so that's what we're dealing with right now. So you're talking about all the – so obviously the border stuff is a big issue with, like, national news and all that other fun stuff. So you deal with it on a day-to-day basis. So how, how big of a problem is it really? <clears throat> uh it's uh comically out of control um whole processing centers in the valley have been shut down due to swine flu outbreaks and uh there's been some ebola scares from uh because well since february is when this thing really kicked off and it's been primarily hondurans coming up here and uh now we're starting to see uh, large groups from the Congo. So uh, there's been some weird diseases and uh, people know how to, they've been coached on how to kind of take advantage of the system. So they know when they come across, it's 
super crowded, you know. Uh, our station's meant to hold 250 or 300, and we got anywhere between five and 600 every day. And uh, they've been coached before they come across, to like, hey, you know, uh, complain that your stomach's cramping up or uh, that your leg hurts or whatever, and they'll have to take you to the hospital, and you can at least stay there for a day and get an IV and get some better food maybe or whatever the case is, so. How, how many illegals? Uh, how many illegals do you interact with on a daily basis when you're working? Um. Well, if we got 450, I think is what we had in house. Uh, last day I was at work, and then you're just kind of in there amongst everybody. Um. You gotta have to go. Kind of find what cell your dudes in and pull them out so you said uh, you, you said cats from africa are crossing the border oh yeah they're uh in del rio because eagle pass is like in the middle of del rio and laredo yeah and uh we'd have a group of 30 whatever there's a golf course right underneath the port of entry uh, in Eagle Pass, and that's where a lot of the family units and stuff come across. It's easy to walk across on if the river's not too high. And we'll get a group of 30 here and there, and Del Rio got a group of about 100 from the Congo, and a group of 100 in Del Rio is just unheard of. It's kind of a slower area, so. That's crazy. I think, uh, I think the Congo has caught on to the... Um, the Honduran way of getting over here and making it happen. How do they? How do the people get from the Congo to the South America and get up into across the border? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of funding going on, I guess. Yeah. Jesus Christ! How did you start? How did you become a border patrol agent? I uh, I I, I follow you tertiarily uh, on Facebook. I lost track of you for a couple of years, and then I, I, I caught sight of you again, too. Uh, it's like, oh, man, I'm starting this. I know Bo. Like, I've known him for forever. Like, we're, I think we're just two guys that could pick up and, cut, uh, what, pick up where we left off 15 years ago when we were in high school together and just start yeah. hanging out and doing whatever. I think we just have that kind of, like, rapport. But uh, how did you get started with uh, Border Patrol? Uh, um, well, I graduated college with a wildlife management degree, um, intention of going to Texas Game Warden, yep. and uh, this story is kind of always what kicks it off. Uh, I was walking up the driveway to the house, and the first time I ever met my background investigator, he goes, well, you got two strikes against you, Bo. Uh, well, at least we're starting out on the right foot. <laughs> and he goes, uh, you're not a female, and you're not a minority. Oh, Jesus. So... That put a pretty sour taste in my mouth, and, uh, you know, I'll back anybody up to the death for, you know, if you're going to stand up for me, I'll stand up for you. But, you know, those, those kind of things kind of turned me away real quick. Yep. So uh, I went through that whole hiring process on eight or nine months, got the X on that one, and then uh, 
immediately after put in for Border Patrol, and they were going through a real big hiring push back then in 2008, 2009. I, I, know, uh, I know two people. I, I know a dude, uh, I, won't, I won't say his name, but he went to, I went to college with him, and then I think a cousin of mine just joined uh, the Border Patrol agency, so it seems like everybody or they're, they're, like, they're the people that are hiring for the government or the federal agency down there in Texas. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I went in, they were doing, uh, let's see, about two classes per week were arriving to the academy, and a class was 50 people, so 100 people a week. Damn. Get, um, and that was constant for a year or a year and a half, I don't know, two years, whatever it was. How high is the turnover rate for Border Patrol? Um, it's, it's really not that bad. Um, once you get in, you know, make it through the academy, as long as you're not a deadbeat, you know, you pretty much got it made. Uh, but a lot of people use it as kind of like a gateway. So they get in, uh, get a year or two experience and then, um, whatever. We've had guys go air marshal. Guys go U.S. Marshal, DEA, FBI. So it's kind of like a little foot in the door, and then you branch out. Yeah, I think I think one of the guys I'm talking, or one of the guys that I know that joined Border Patrol, I think he went FBI, or he did that. Like, he, he did a step up where he was working in mm-hmm. Laredo or something, and then he stepped up mm-hmm. uh, to a different agency uh, when he did that. So you, you've been doing that for 10 years, you said? Yep. You still a foot soldier, or you got a your supervisor manager, or what? Uh, no, no supervisor for me. I'm more of a more of a knuckle dragger. <laughs> Hands on tech. Yeah. Uh, tried out for the special ops guys, uh, Bortec, and then uh, made it about a week into selection. It was about a about a three week process. And then got essentially peered out. So if you can, uh, it's funny for the people who know me, they're like, you got peered out. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't sound like something that would come from me, but. So what is, what does peered out mean? You got voted out of the class? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't sound uh, like you. (laughs) No, it's, uh, I mean, I didn't. I didn't like lose my mind or my temper or just lash out on people or nothing like that. But, um, the sleep depth was just hitting me too hard after a week. And I was just a step behind everybody else. So, so didn't have your A game when you were going through the selection phase. Did you ever go to Fletzy? Yeah. In, uh, Artesia, New Mexico. Okay. I went down in, uh, so I did Fletzy in, uh, South Carolina. So I did a couple of uh, boat coxswain or vessel boarding schools when I was down there. It, it's hands-on. It's it's first-rate grade A training. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was the most uh, most I got out of law enforcement training because I did. Uh, I basically I've been in the military for 14 years. So I went to college, um, uh, got out, joined the military, been in there since I got out of college, and then uh, did basically security for five years. So. Basically, rent a cop, All right. maybe a step above rent a cop, 
uh, when it goes to. So I did, uh, <laughs> I did I did gate guard for three or gate guard for about a year. I did boat coxswain for two, and then I got to do patrol for about eighteen months uh, in Japan. Which I mean, it's not uh, it's not like doing the mean streets of Chicago or anything, but, uh, <laughs> but but you do you do get to see some stuff, some weird domestic type things, car accidents, death, like stupid people <laughs> doing stupid things. So it's uh. I don't know. I, I I got a little bit of taste of law enforcement, but I mean, yeah. How, how dire is the situation down there? Like, is it crazy? Is it does it seem hopeless or helpless or what? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's really uh, the morale's like underneath the boot that's getting pushed down into the sand. Jesus. Um. Yeah, it's just uh, we're processing people as fast as you can um and all the family units get released into population um you can't prosecute them for humanitarian reasons because a family unit you can't separate them and that's just the way the laws are now oh it's it's been that way yeah do you think that's why do you think that's why texas is turning blue as far as like voting and all that other stuff, fun stuff, or how how pervasive is it? Yeah, that uh, in the seems to like the younger, you know, the triggered generation. <laughs> uh, it's just, it just seems like most of the young people can't take their head outside the bubble and look around. Yep. Like do uh, a little bit of critical thinking and not just what what somebody's feeding you. That's a. Uh... That's another thing that I kind of realized. I never really looked into, and I never really kind of like. I do. I was always first layer stuff, but I kept re- seeing these articles on you know social media sites and whatever. And I was like, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And then I had to start. I had to start like reading and talking about it. So this kind this thing kind of forces me once a week or twice a week to go in and you know find articles, read about things, and do stuff and. Immigration has definitely been one of them, and it's just fortuitous that you're a border patrol agent and ready to, or it's a crazy time thing to talk about. So, yeah, it's uh, it's weird how uh, you get to see everything that's going on, and then nothing really. I don't know. It just whatever they're putting out isn't. It's just like, man, could y'all just report what's going on, and you know, but everybody has to. News isn't news, it's ratings. You know, you got to get your audience fired up. So this may be what's going on, but we actually have to put it out like this. So get our audience fired up and get better ratings. Does that piss you off when you see that stuff? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd change the world if I could, but just can't do it. Yeah, I feel you, man. I'd, I see it, the, uh, from my perspective, see it the same way. Like, uh, you'll see something on the news and you know it's not not the case like you know that's like that's bs or you uh you hear just weird stuff about like i don't know just weird reporting and you just know it's not it but that's what's being said to people so yeah yeah Yeah, and i don't have the best uh arguing skills so when somebody says something on facebook and you're just like well that's not how it is or whatever and then they're like well the statistics show this and this and this it's like oh whatever (laughs) No, man, you can't, I don't think you can argue with people on Facebook or social media. Like, I think that's a, yeah. that's a fool's errand. Like, you can't, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to win when you do it. So, yeah. That's why I sit here and talk to a wall so nobody can argue with me. 
But besides besides yeah. the Border Patrol, what's going on, man? What's new in the zoo? Uh, well, let's see. I've had a steady girlfriend from Eagle Pass for a while. Uh, probably marriage in not too distant future. There you um, go. Probably, yeah, going to go do that. And you got any chitlins running around? I don't think so, right? No. Oh, lucky, no. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's all been talked about yeah how's so, the how's lomita doing you're back in the the great the great city of lomita how's that place changed i've been back like once or twice uh since then i think i saw your mother like five ten years ago something like that but uh i don't know like how's lomita so yeah it's like the same old place man it's uh stuck in time i think <laughs> You know, the loud train still goes by. I don't know how you ever made it. Yep. And then, uh, living right next to that damn thing. Uh, still the same old neighborhood. Just, you know, everybody's stuck in the, stuck in their ways down here. Yeah. Uh, ain't gonna see no, ain't gonna see no recycling bins sitting out beside the road down here. <laughs> No, my uh, my oldest brother still lives there for some reason. So he's got two kids. <laughs> he lives with his wife. Uh, Josh moved to San Antonio. Uh, you know about him, right? You know what you know what he's going through. Uh, no, I I see him on Facebook every now and then. Um, Mom mentioned something about it yeah. uh, last night, but yeah, I don't I don't really know that much. So his deal is that he went to Iraq or Afghanistan whatever the case is, multiple, he had multiple tours, went down there, and then, so he was, you know, E1 Schmuckatelli, so he was the guy that was stirring shit piles when you're out there, so he, he came back, uh, was about to do a second tour, got that curtailed, or got came back, whatever the case is, but he started developing lung problems or lung issues, and because it essentially was not a... Uh, uh, from what I understand, dealing with the VA, you have to basically make all your claims before you get out. So if you start to have symptoms uh, and things before you, after you get out, you're pretty much screwed, which is kind of what happened to him. So he went on a run hmm. or, or something and had an issue, and then he's he just been getting progressively and progressively worse. And there's no real, uh, it's kind of like the Agent Orange, like the whole Vietnam thing or whatever. Kind of, mm -hmm. It's in the same vein as that, where he's running through that whole thing. So that's what Josh is going through. And then you you never really uh, knew or hung out with my little brother, so he's uh he's bebopping around. I think in Lomita now too. So. Uh, yeah, I'd see him around here and there, Chris. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I'd see him. Hey, hey, you talked to Seth lately, or you know, whatever. Just the old small talk as a passing. But yep. I I think he works uh, at the gas gotta, station over there. Yeah, yeah, that's where I saw him at. Okay. You're, you're uh, about to say? But we get, what's that? You were about to say? Oh, uh, yeah, we got a guy at work. Uh, maybe a couple years older than me, somewhere around that same age. Um, former military, and now he's doing the whole cancer thing. Um, 
chemo, radiation, all that crap, and um, and it sucks to see we have to rush anytime any little thing. Um, the illegals get rushed to the hospital. You know they ain't paying for it. Yeah. And then you got guys like that that just have to sit there and uh, go through the process. That's a great point, man. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. My brother's suffering through, can't get a 50% disability claim or an 80% disability claim with all the stuff he's been through. But we do emergency care on those individuals very quickly. Yeah. I never thought about that. That's a pretty sad situation. Yeah, that is pretty sad. And I was talking to uh, one of our EMT guys uh, after shift, walking out to the cars and He's like, yeah, I took my two-month-old for our checkup at the hospital and uh, got turned away because the pediatrician was checking on uh, a bunch of illegals. And I don't know, man. I don't, stuff don't sit well with me. Yeah. What? Well, I have no clue, man. I don't, I don't even know what it's like to be overrun by people that are just living off the basically like a mini Los Angeles or mini San Francisco in the Eagle Pass where you just have a mm-hmm. bunch of people that don't pay taxes, don't contribute to the welfare of the society and just kind of live off of it. And then, uh, you know, they get their initial care and then they just filter into the community in Texas or New Mexico or Oklahoma or wherever the hell they go. Cause, uh, yeah, they go, uh, they all come across with a phone number and address to, whatever the case may be, a friend or an aunt or a brother, whatever. And um, like, all right, so you call that number, talk to them, yeah, uh, you know, here's my address, uh, confirm it, and yeah, I know this person, and that's where they go. They're going all over the country. So how, but how, why is that a thing? Like, how do they get in? Why do they not get, <sighs> should we build the wall, Bo? <laughs> wall would definitely help. And then, but that's why the the, the leftists don't want it, you know, because it's going to help. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of money. Well, what's, uh, yeah, but so is the uh, hospital bills that were, you know, 100, 150,000 across every month, whatever the numbers are. I don't know the official numbers, but it's something every month. And so you're, that's hospital bills. Who knows how much that's costing? Yeah. Billions of the B. Gotta be. Yep, for sure. What was it? Uh, there was a, I saw an article that 90%, per, like, do a lot of people come over uh, claiming mm-hmm. asylum? Do a lot of them do that, or they, do they just get a free pass when you catch them? Uh, what was the last part of that? So do a lot of them claim asylum? Like, so what do they do? They just walk over and they, they run across Bo, the patrol guy. And they, like, say, hey, you know, I got, you know, somebody, somebody lives in this city, this town, this country, whatever the case is, I'm going to go see them. So, you, like, you just let them go and they go? Or, like, how does that work? Um, so, they'll come across and they're not trying to avoid us by any means. So, they'll come across the, the smugglers know where we probably have sensors on the river. And uh, they'll set off a sensor. We'll respond, and then, sure enough, there's family in it just sitting down there. 
or 10 family units yeah. or, you know, however many they brought across. And, all right, take them in. They, are, they already know the deal. You know, this has been going on for years, and that's why there's such a problem because the ones that have made it relayed the information back, and it just extrapolates from there. Mm-hmm. But um, take them back, and you go through the paperwork and some of the questions on the sworn statement, you know, or are you scared to return back to your home country? You know, would you be harmed? Blah, blah, blah. So, uh they're not going to miss that opportunity to say, oh, well, yes, of course. I'm scared because uh, MS-13 or whatever, they threaten me if I don't give them money or whatever. And so that's that's pretty much a common story. So uh, then, all right, you put that in the file. Um, we set them up for a court date. At the nearest spot, say, you know, if they're going to Florida, like, all right, well, you need to report back to this Orlando office, you know, on, on this date or whatever. Um, and it's an honor system, so it's up to them to go to the court date. And they, and they, and they don't. Which, right. Yeah, and it's just uh, just kind of like an asylum hearing, I guess. And then, uh, yeah, why would you want to present, like, yes, I'm here illegally, uh, here I am. So it just doesn't make any sense for them to do that to themselves. Yeah, I'd read an article or seen an article that 90% of asylum seekers, like the people that, I guess, to fill out the initial paperwork and say, hey, I'm coming to the States, 90% of them don't show up for their appointed court date, wherever the hell they're supposed to be or go or do. So... Yeah, those are those are the probably ones that are just faking it, and the ones that show up actually probably would have something happen to them if they showed back up. Yeah, you think you think you're gonna do this for twenty years, the border patrol agent? You sound tired, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I am tired. Uh, uh, I can't do the I can't do the family unit thing very much longer. Um, I've been looking at uh getting. A transfer, you know, they'll, they'll throw out transfers there now and then. Yeah. Um, problem with that is I put in for Vermont on the last couple go-arounds. Figured I'd go up north, slap a Bernie sticker on the back of my there window and blend in with the public. But uh, <laughs> didn't get that, you know, all seniority, resume-based, whatever. Um, so I'm just trying to slide in somewhere where there's no family units. That doesn't happen. Um, g- girlfriend and I have been talking about uh, kind of dipping out and doing something like a national park ranger or mm-hmm. something like that where you could enjoy your, your job and not just be run down all the time. Why does the family unit thing bother you so much? Um, it's just... You get no sense of worth from the work that you put in, so you're going to process, say, this uh, mother and child do two, three hours of paperwork, and, you know, if you're checkpoint the next day, you see them getting bussed out to San Antonio or wherever they're going, so it's just, 
you're doing all that work just to let them go. And um, I told dudes at work, I'm like, man, there's things I'll go to jail for, um, and there's things that uh, you know I just yeah. can't put up with. Mm-hmm. And so this, that falls into the I can't put up with this scenario when you sign up to do a job and it's just essentially the way guys looking at it is the cartel, the smuggler will bring them over on a raft, hand them over to you and you do the paperwork so they can go interior in the country. So it's pretty much like an extension of the smuggling organization. It just gets really aggravating. That's a, that's messed up, dude. It's it's mm-hmm. it's sad to hear the the tiredness. I guess there's no other way to put it. The tiredness in your voice, because uh, like our the the memories I have of you are back in high school, obviously, right? Because that's when we hung out the longest or the most. I think uh, we actually like I met you. We became friends when you were a sophomore. I was a freshman, yeah. or I was a I was a sophomore. You were a junior. One of the two, and we were thick as thieves for about two years. So. Yeah, shit was cool, man. <laughs> but that, back mean, in the day yeah, back, when Seth Harms wouldn't even try a sip of a beer. No, I would not. I was. Uh, I didn't drink. I didn't. I think I had my first beer when I was eighteen. I was straight laced as a motherfucker, man. I was. Uh, I was <laughs> dude, uh, goddamn the the regrets that I have <laughs> are enormous. But it's. Uh, <laughs> It's crazy, man. We would play, we'd just hang out. I, I remember watching all the pay-per-views at your house. Like you were just the, like your house was the coolest place to be, especially considering, <laughs> considering how I grew up and then how you grew up. It's totally different. So yeah. And like you said, I was right next to a train station. Wah wah wah! Fucking five thirty in the morning <laughs> every time. Going oh there. yeah. So. Yeah, I hear I hear it down here, and I'm just I'm just like God dang, dude. Yeah. I don't know how they make it up there. It is brutal. So, well, man, thanks for doing this. I do appreciate it, Bo. It's good to catch up with you. You're welcome to, like, I don't know. I will keep in touch with you, obviously, past this point, but you're welcome to come shoot the shit with me anytime you'd like. Uh, yeah, that? man, uh, I'll check back in with all you guys, and uh, maybe one day before we see the other side, I can uh, catch you in a poker game sometime. Oh, you play poker? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, we got another 20 minutes to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When's the last time you played? Oh, it's been a little while. Um, They got a a little casino in Eagle Pass. It's pretty much just uh, slot machines and Texas Hold'em. Okay. That's what I'd heard. Um, uh, Eagle Pass had the only casino for a while. Then they opened up the card rooms in Houston and Dallas and somewhere in Waco yeah. or, or wherever the hell it was, but I didn't know that they had hold them because I was actually in Uvalde or somewhere in that area and we were looking for a game and then somebody had mentioned Eagle Pass, but they had said it was only slot machines. So we didn't go. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't know what they were talking about. It, it, is it a big room? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, pretty good size. Uh, I used to play tournaments there on the, on my, after my training days, you know, I'd be on day shift and I'd go in at night and uh, play tournaments. And um, they have a one and 
I think it's a one and two dollar blind, and then a three and five dollar blind. Which one do you so play? It depends on which route you want to go. Uh, just do the one and two, and try to try to keep it a little bit more conservative. But you probably want to take about a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, you can that make that way. Somebody didn't. You can make a lot of money playing one two. Uh, I don't play the two five that often, but I'll, I'll bring like three hundred, four hundred uh, to the game, and then usually run that up to about eight eight hundred to a thousand on a good day and I'll drop two on a bad day. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, but I'm more of a tournament player, as you can tell with the, uh, if, if you have listened to the podcast or whatever the case is, I have these, there's a, there's a poker club in Germany that I drive down to every now and again to go play and they are horrifically bad. So they're, they're terrible. <laughs> so I just sit there the way the tournament is structured and the way they play, it just does not, it, it doesn't fit any other style than just to sit there and wait for hands. And until it gets up to like eight to six to four people, and then you've created such a image, and nobody wants to play you, so people just fold you yeah. all the time. So it's uh, <laughs> basically how I play the game. I'm horrible heads up. Uh, I'm good shorthanded. I can play tournament poker for days. Like I pretty much have that strategy narrowed down. But I'm not a. As far as cash players go, I've seen like there are people that are light years ahead of me when it comes to cash games. So I watch live at the bike. I watch poker on YouTube all the time i follow it uh i do like you like you did if there's a if there's a card room somewhere and i got some time down that's where i'll be so yeah so. well you never know man i get a i take four al trips a year well not necessarily a trip but i get four sets of al weeks a year and it's 11 days of pop so you might uh see me in germany sometime bring it bro but you got a place to stay we got an extra, uh, so Germany houses, right? They do, instead of going out, they go up. And Stuttgart's a great place to be as far as travel's concerned because there's five countries within, you can go to Switzerland, Croatia, uh, France, uh, Belgium. Belgium's a little bit of a drive. Luxembourg, um, and then there's uh, Austria. So there's Austria, Switzerland, uh, France, Luxembourg. I forget the other one. But they're, like it's it's all over this place. And then the, the dirty little secret in Germany is everybody wants to come up for Oktoberfest. And it's in September. Wow. But the real the real dirty secret is coming April because they basically have a beer fest. It's the exact same, okay. it's the exact same fest, but in April. So that's the dirty little secret. Hmm. And everybody goes right. to Munich. Stuttgart, yeah, man. You gotta there's a there's an extra room upstairs that nobody uses. I, I go up there and I store all my clothes and stuff. But uh, yeah, we man, might, save we us. might we might uh, plan for April then. Yeah, April's yeah. Don't come up and uh, I mean you could do the the touristy beer fest, beer garden type thing, but April has the same. It's like Shonen Fest or whatever the case, the case is, and it's the same beer fest. The best uh, the best thing I love out here in Germany are the beer gardens. So they have these just areas where kids go play. Like they have a playground set up next to uh, like picnic tables and uh, awnings mm-hmm. and everything. And they have a, basically a food truck with beer and food. And you just sit out in the sun, drink beer, eat food, watch your kids play. It's, it's, I wish we nice. did it in America. Like, I don't know why we did it, <laughs> but, but it's fantastic. Yeah. So I really like it out here. The, the wife uh, hates the weather because it, like, we're a little bit further north in Maryland when it comes to that stuff. And it gets overcast. It gets weird. All right. But I love it, man. It's awesome. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we'll shoot for that in the future. And uh, what do you, 
you trying to do a marathon or what you, what's your fitness thing going on right now? So I so I run like a madman because I'm stupid. I don't diet very well, but I run, run, run. So I'm trying. I, I have a running schedule for the Berlin Marathon in September 29th. So the reason why I'm doing all this running schedule is because uh, there's – so the Berlin Marathon is one where you have to get a ticket, right? It's like the New York or the Boston. Mm-hmm. You, they do a lottery and everything like that. So a person that I work with did a lottery – and he's got a he's got three tickets, but he's not training, so that gives me incentive. Okay. That I I feel like he's gonna fold out, and I've already told him, hey, I'm the first alternate. If somebody's a show, give me your ticket. I'll purchase. I'll I'll take it one for one. So that's what I'm training for. So and I'm actually, all right. I'm actually doing pretty good. Uh, I've missed just a couple runs. I got to do twelve and a half, probably tomorrow. Uh, but it is what it is. So. It, Man, if you can run twelve, you can run twenty, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've Just, ran a mar- uh, I've ran a marathon before. I ran the I ran the Honolulu marathon. That was brutal. Uh, I can run a half marathon on a, <laughs> on any day. Like doesn't matter what it is. Like if I'm out of shape, if, if I haven't run in six months, I can do a half marathon no problem. It's the it's the getting up to that. There's like some sort of hill or something that breaks you down at mile twenty, mile twenty two that I got to get over. So, yeah. So that's what I'm working towards. You you run both? Yep, I'm little. Those little mental things. Yep. Um, oh, man. Uh, I was the fastest mile and a half time for my class uh, at the academy. All right. I was running a nine-minute a nine mile and a half. Uh, but after that, I kind of let it slide. Um, a few years after the academy is when I was like, well, I want to try for, you know, the special ops groups. Uh and just running and not lifting isn't really going to help me out. True. Um, so I went to more strict diet and lifting with zero running to get in super duper shape, real strict for a few years. And um, that's when I jumped into Bortec, got out, and then had a, I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'll try next year. And then I'd go to work out, and the drive just wasn't there no more, and I had a little growing injury, so it was hindering me for over a year. And uh, so then after that, I just kind of, yeah, I'll just get old and <laughs> just do my thing. And I should have tried out for those special ops guys, you know, yep. years ago instead of p- putting it off. No. I'm I'm a lover, not a fighter, man. I already know that I would not. Uh, I got I, I have some of the mental mental aptitude for it, but no, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make it. You remember <laughs> you remember Joey Hahn, right? Yeah. Yeah, he went 14 years as a SEAL. He's up in uh, I think Oklahoma or New Mexico or Nebraska or some, somewhere in the, a flyover state, running a uh, uh, basically a tactical training like Blackwater type unit that helps like train people and stuff. Yeah, he ran for fourteen uh-huh. years as a as a seal, so he's a Damn. he's a maniac. Like he's a he's the real deal. So yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, I wish if I could go back, I'd I'd do military and and do that. I was I was talking to my uncle a while back. Uh, I was like, man, what what would you say? Because he was a first sergeant in the army, and uh, I was like, what would you say if? Uh, I wanted to just quit board patrol, go active duty, child for SF. Um, no, I know I can make it. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, he was like, well, no, you're going to be, you're going to be taking too big of a pay cut in the selection process two years. You might get injured, you know, there's no telling what's going to happen. And then you don't make it. And then there you are. And so he kind of talked my senses back down just to stand where I was at. Yeah. The real, uh, but yeah, if I, if I could go back in time, I'd definitely do some military time. Yeah, the real uh, the real rub is if you would have got out of when you got your degree and went officer. That's that's easy money. Like, yeah. But you you gotta you gotta jump through the four to eight year shit sandwich that you're gonna eat the first couple of years. Like like same as enlisted, right? You, you're gonna eat shit for four to eight years, and then finally you're gonna take what take what was bad, get rid of it, take what was good, incorporate it, and then lead people. So. That's kind of where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. So my job is just make sure other people do what they're supposed to do. So and then and then lead them in the right way. That's that's kind of where I'm at now. So yeah, yeah as long as you're a, a leader and not a boss. True. So most most definitely, I won't. Uh, I'm definitely not a boss. I never see myself as a boss. I've ran across bosses all the time. I have a couple of bosses yeah. that I work with now, and they just piss me off every single day of every single week. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. So yep. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that where I'm at now, too. It's just, uh, just shake your head and move on. Yep, I agree completely, man. So, 100%, man. I'm, uh, I did not know you were a poker fiend like me. So, that's good stuff. What's your, uh, what do you think? You're a cash game player or a tournament player? Um, I think the, the cash games are fun for me. Yep. But I, I like the, I like the endurance of the tournament. So, I like, I like to be able to mold to whatever the case may be. Yeah, I like the, I like the strategy of the tournament better uh, than the cash game. Cash game is just too wild, and then you got to be you got to be a lot deeper than in a tournament. You know what you you know what's on the table. Like the chips are on the table, mm-hmm. except for the rebuy. You, you, that's what they're playing with in the tournament. So they really can't they can't dominate you or, or like run you off the table. In a cash game, they could be sitting thousands of dollars behind, and you can't you can't even see it. They're just going to keep rebuying and coming after you, rebuying, coming after you. And eventually, yeah, they, eventually yeah. they'll get you. So if I brought $2,000 to a 1-2 or 2-5 table, then sure, I probably would be a better cash game player. But I don't I don't, yeah. I don't, don't roll that deep. <laughs> yep, I feel you there. <laughs> so uh, tell, the, tell, the, uh, tell the family I said hi. Tell the mom and the dad I said hello. And uh, tell them I'm doing well. I got two little rugrats. Uh, baby Michael uh, and baby Abigail four and then wife B from Ethamanopia so just let them know I'm doing fine and uh, I will uh, will do yeah I'll, I'll definitely uh, thanks for doing this I appreciate it I will catch up with you oh yeah I'll stay in touch uh, that's kind of what this podcast is about too is get, reaching back and t- uh, staying in touch with old people that uh, man it was uh, <laughs> It's it's a pleasure to know you, man. I'm I'm glad that we ran across each other. Uh, I don't know if it was my freshman or sophomore year, but that uh, awesome. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, things worked out the way they did. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, I heard on the on the end of one of your podcasts the other day, I was listening to uh, on one of your little rants where you're like, yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't hit my goals where I wanted to be with my kids and all that. And, I just kind of smiled, and I was thinking, uh, as long as you're there and trying, and uh, you don't run off, then uh, you're a successful parent. 
I think that's the win too. I agree completely. So at least I'm at least I'm here struggling because I definitely want to throw yep. the daughter out out the window every now and again. Just <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, uh, one million percent. I do want to play a poker game against you, kind sir. You would you would take all my money, but it'd be fun. Yeah, we'll see. I don't I don't have that much luck, yeah. but every now and then I hit it. Yeah. Same here, buddy. All right, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day. Tell the family I said hi, and thank you for doing this once again. I appreciate it. All right, man. We'll check in with you all later. 100%, Bo. Have a good one. All right, man. You too. You too. Bye. Oh, fill my love, honey, from up above. 
honey Oh, don't give up on me Cause I'm coming down I'm not a one-nighter I'm not a flatliner I'm everything in between I harmony singing loud Myself up on the corner I thought I'd run into a friend of 